Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 21, Stormy Weather. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon and Dylan put their plan to save Kelly from the new evolution into action. Dylan goes undercover and learns what a milletting is. Brandon visits Chancellor Arnold for a different, more illegal kind of reconnaissance. Together, they manage to expose the reality behind the new evolution, leaving Kelly to decide whether or not to walk away. Val doesn't know what no-strings-attached means, and Ray shows us another side of his personality, the side that really hates breakfast. Or really just any meal where Val is involved. He bails on his dinner plans with Donna because Val got herself invited. He apologizes to Donna later and tries to break things off with Val, but Val threatens to tell on him. Dr. Laundrie gets Andrea a job at the hospital so they can make out at work. Jesse surprises Andrea, meeting her at the hospital with flowers after taking an earlier flight home because he missed her. I I want to start at the beginning, obviously, but I also really want to start at the maletting. Oh, Lord. I thought I misheard. And then what made it worse was I was typing it into my notes and Google did not say it was a misspelled word. <laughs> <laughs> when he first said it, I Googled it and like it never popped up. And I was like, okay, it's like a fakey word that the show made up. And then they said it was like a wedding for the millennium. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> They're just combining like ship names like we do these days. <laughs> I thought of that too. And I was like, oh no, is this what we sound like? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really it is. is. Oh man. But like, what a way for Kelly to get out of the cult. Oh, I know. Oh, my goodness. Like, while Mary was talking, I realized, like, if this was an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Jake had to go in to, like, infiltrate the cult, he would accidentally join it for a little while. It would be new yes. to boom. Exactly. Boom, boom. He would somehow <laughs> put down his entire life savings and be, like, at top the – I forget what he calls it, but he's in, like, the – champion circle or whatever it's called like at the very top <laughs> something he, like that he'd be like literally driving to oregon and they call him and like jake what are you doing and he's like i don't know they just I had don't a know. really good pitch I, I got in my car and i just drove <laughs> which honestly like kind of thought that was gonna happen to dylan could you imagine if like they slowly just all start joining the cult and the, the rest of the season is just brandon being like why are all my friends joining a cult Oh, my God. And he would be the one left because, like, if if we think about the group, Steve would absolutely join it. Absolutely. Dylan, Dylan would join it. Mm -hmm. we, Kelly's already in it. Val, she's been the biggest skeptic thus far, but I think if she realized that these people could be manipulated into doing what she wants them to do, she would join it. Um, That's a good point. David and Claire are the only ones, just because they haven't been – the focus of the show these days? Claire and Brandon joining forces to get everyone back out of the cult. And it's like kind of like bringing it back around from when Claire used to pretend that she was dating Brandon. Yeah. Okay. That I'm into. Because then, yeah, David on his own, I could see joining. Claire mm. was the one I was like, mm, I don't know. But I like this idea of them doing the whole like, we got to get them out of there. Just a, a longer drawn out caper than the caper we actually got. 
<laughs> exactly. But at least, like, I think we talked about this last episode, at least we got a resolution. Like, it was like, they're not going to mess with any anymore. Kelly wasn't even really necessarily at rock bottom. They just executed the plan to perfection, and boom, we're done. Yeah, I was honestly a little surprised that she just, like, went came, with it. Yeah, she, like, came to her senses. <laughs> but honestly, I'm fine. Like, I was really expecting Dylan to have recorded his conversation with Finley. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was expecting, like, as soon as you started to get the blackmail edge to it, I was like, oh, there's a recorder or or he's wearing a wire like he did with Jonesy, like – or, or like, you know, they had Jonesy or something like that to be able to, like, prove it to Kelly. Because I didn't think that there was going to be a way for her to, like, be told this and believe it. But I just realized it's also kind of like when Felice gave Ray the money and Felice was just like, I offered your boyfriend money to walk away and he took it. Like, Finley does it too. Yeah. He was I know. like, I offered your body to Dylan for money and he took it. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. But let's let's start all the way back at the beginning. Okay. Because this is when Kelly wants to, like, fully drop out of the sorority, which I really appreciate they brought this up because Kelly technically is still an active sorority member. And Donna's just yep. like, just go inactive for a semester. Like, do not throw this away. Yeah, exactly. It was, like, something they did together, something that they were doing because they all enjoyed it. But there's no reason why she couldn't have just, like – dropped out for a sec instead of actually quitting the whole thing. Um, but obviously it's not about that. It's about distancing yourself away from everything that you love um, and hold dear because apparently the sooner everyone realizes that meaningful change comes from personal sacrifice, the better off we'll be. Uh, Kelly I'm Taylor. So I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? It was so profound. I want to commit it to memory. <laughs> Man, I'm glad you wrote that down because I didn't and I wish I had, but I wrote it down and then I wrote in all caps, burn. <laughs> yeah, sick burn, Claire. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it's like, I didn't come here to be ridiculed or whatever. And personally, I could have seen like Donna taking on more of the, the anger here and Claire being a little bit more tactful about it. But I mean, it still got the point across, right? Like, Like, because Claire starts talking about how like, she's kind of brutally honest with Kelly when she's like, you're only here because Finley told you to come, like, come here and break all your ties. And she's just like, uh, you're being a negator. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see Donna have also been saying that because I feel like that is a role that Donna's played in the past. But I kind of appreciate the way they did this where Donna's this appeal of, like, don't leave the sorority. Just, like, take some time off and then you can come back because she doesn't want to lose her friend. And then Claire's being like... I've known you for six months. Stop it. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's more There's more for Donna to lose than for Claire to lose. Exactly. And this is around the time that Dylan, quote unquote, comes to her rescue mm -hmm. and tells them that they need to uh, respect Kelly's path of personal growth and walks her out and all this stuff. And we don't actually hear their conversation outside the peach pit because we end up inside Brandon's car where he is creepily watching them because that is a pattern in this episode of people sitting in cars in the rain and watching other people. Just like, and not even um, just that alone would be creepy, but the fact that they just had to sit there guessing when the other people would be in those cars. 
<laughs> that to me, because again, like no cell phones, no pagers even. At, well, there may have been pagers, but they didn't have them to our knowledge. And so Brandon was just sitting there, presumably the entire meal, just waiting for Dylan and Kelly to come out, not knowing when, if, like, what if they went <laughs> out a different door? I, that, we don't know if there's a different door, but presumably there is one. That's a really good point because, yeah, like, it's not like anybody else is in on this with them. It's not like Claire could have called him and been like, hey, we're going to the peach pit. It's time for you to drive there, too. Like, right. He could have literally just been sitting there all day being like, I know she's going to show up at some point. That's just what we do. Exactly. We just go to the peach pit for hangs. Yeah. And so Kelly ends up leaving. Dylan runs over to the car. And this is when it's revealed to the viewer that Dylan is going to try and sneak into the cult to pull Kelly back out. Yeah, because, you know, at first I was like, "Uh uh-oh, Dylan's being a little too accepting of this. Um, But yeah, now we know Dylan doesn't feel great about this whole thing, like hates that they're kind of manipulating Kelly in this way. I mean, but Brandon makes a good point. He's like, I mean, we got to do something. Otherwise, she's just going to keep going down this rabbit hole. Um, Yeah, so... I still – there's a scene later that Dylan and Brandon have together, and I'm like, how are these boys still friends? Like, it just – their friendship doesn't mean – or doesn't, like, make sense to me. It genuinely feels like a friendship of convenience. Like, mm-hmm. you know how when you, you know, grow up in the school system and you're, like, friends with somebody from, like, fifth grade all the way through high school, and then, like, as you go to college and you stop spending every single day together, you just start drifting apart? Yeah. Like, it feels like that part never happened with Brandon and Dylan. And because they're in, like, that same group of friends, it just, like, keeps happening that they keep hanging out. And it's not that they actually like each other. Right. It's like they have things in common or at least people in common rather than a reason to be friends, actual friends. Yeah. Like, I feel like if Dylan went to anyone other than Jim Walsh to be his business manager, he and Brandon would never speak again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but yeah, so then we get the opening credits. And when we come back, we get this little like montage of like place settings and putting food on plates. And I'm like, ooh, breakfast. It's right. like eggs benedict and waffles. And then you realize, oh, this is like room service. All right, we're heading to a room. Obviously, it's for Val. She's the only Obviously. one who's in a hotel. And, and there's two settings. So you're like, oh, no, it's Ray. It's Ray. He's still there. I just hate it. Like, I am not interested in this cheating, you know, lying. I'm I'm not into it. It makes no – this is not discreet. This is the opposite of discreet. Yep. Like, you're sleeping with someone who, like, it's not even degrees of separation. Like, Donna knows her. That's what I'm saying. Like, what your mama meant by discreet – was go hook up with someone you don't know and they don't know you and none of your friends. Like, yeah, clearly he has no idea what he's, I mean, clearly he has no idea what he's doing, but also because he's like, I don't know, trying to hook up with two people in the same friend group. Ridiculous. And like, yeah, so I don't think we actually touched on this last episode, but the first time he sleeps with Val is when she's like, look, I don't want to be your girlfriend. This is no strings attached, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, when he tries to leave, she's, like, tempting him to, like, oh, just spend the day in bed with me and we have all this breakfast and blah, blah, blah. 
And it seems very clear that, much like Dylan said last episode, Val is lonely. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's practically begging him to stay. Like, I will say, you know, for everything that Val does, like, the confidence on this girl, because she seemingly doesn't care how she is perceived, you know? Like, because like I said, she's practically begging Ray to stay, but she still is just doing it because she's like, I just want some, I need a companion, like whatever the case may be. Um, not really caring how it comes across even to the point where she's like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to like manipulate you because Ray's like, you said no strings attached. And she's like, did I say that? Like, I'm very, like very much into the idea that Valerie just double talks Mm -hmm. all the time, you know, just to get a rise out of people. Well, yeah, because even he's like, what do you want? And she's like, I don't know, some eggs benedict, some waffles, some fresh fruit. Like, that's not what you were talking about <laughs> five seconds ago. Right. And Ray's basically like, fuck your breakfast and flips the breakfast over. <laughs> Literally flips the table. Loved it. But he did do a really good mic drop with breakfast is served. <laughs> I died. Leaves. Like, oh my gosh. I actually kind of loved it. I kind of love it. (laughs) Like, I feel like this, like, I don't like when he gets angry at Donna. Right. But like, this is him doing a bad thing. And so he should feel bad. And so that anger, like, this I'm okay with. Yeah, exactly. And like, clearly, he's just like frustrated at the fact that she won't listen. And yeah, it's, it, it was just kind of funny. Oh, I loved it. But like, sir, that was Eggs Benedict and waffles. I know. You could have had, like, just take it to go. Grab the waffles off the plate. Save the waffles. <laughs> oh my God. I would have died if rather than flip the table, he just like picked up all of the plates and took them with him. <laughs> he, he just, just like, like stacked them. <laughs> he just like made an Eggs Benedict waffle sandwich and was like, that sounds great. And then just left with it. Oh my gosh, that is such a Nate move. He, If he can turn something into a sandwich, he will. <laughs> I have a friend that will order an all-star special at Waffle House, and he will put everything onto the waffle and then flip it into a taco. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Right? And like, <laughs> I can't even eat an all-star special, so like, I can't fathom it, but every time he does it, I'm just like, oh my god, you are a connoisseur. <laughs> You are a true artiste. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is art. That's awesome. Uh, what's not art is the hospital. God. Okay. So I have many problems with this scene. Um, <laughs> the first is is that as Andrea is getting coffee, literally, she hits the button to trigger the coffee and it like triggers instead the PA system to say, excuse me, can we get maintenance to the vending machine or serve coffee or something like that? I'm like, what? <laughs> or, there are definitely a lot of times on this show where I'm just like, why? Why did we put this in here? Yeah. And it's like, it's almost a little condescending to the viewer to think that we don't know what's going on. You know, it's like they want to just make sure that we know. Without a shadow of a doubt that the coffee machine is broken and they're on it. <laughs> like, all they had to do was have Andrea press the button and then just be like, ugh, and then press the button a bunch of times. 
Exactly. Like she literally just like hits it, like pushes the button and then hits the machine. It's like, yeah, I know that's a universal symbol for the machine ate my money. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, yeah, we get, can we get our repairman for the vending machine? Our repairman <laughs> for the vending machine? They say it twice. I know. And fucking Dr. Laundry appears behind her and is like, oh, I have the magic touch. Ugh. Like, I I almost feel like their flirting could be cute if it wasn't them sometimes. Or if it wasn't all about infidelity on both sides. Exactly. Like, uh, I think it's when they're in the lab later. I thought that was cute. Mm, okay. Or like... Not really here when he's like, what's that perfume you're wearing? And she's like, baby vomit. I was like, that's really gross. That would literally only be cute if you both were the parents of the baby. Exactly. Like, none of this is cute. I mean, when he leans in to smell her, I was like, what are you doing? Like, I immediately like went on the defensive. And then he leaves and I'm pretty sure he smacks her ass. I think he does. (laughs) Which like, that I wouldn't be mad at, again, if it wasn't all about infidelity Mm -hmm. well the thing that blows my mind is they keep like sneaking not sneaking around this hospital and he's worked there like they have to know he's married it's not like he's gonna have never brought up his wife he wears his wedding ring to work people are gonna know that he's married Mm -hmm. and then jesse shows up on like day one yep people at this hospital know that dr laundry sleeps around Every hospital is just like Grey's Anatomy, and that means there's gossip everywhere. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, every hospital show you watch, there's making out in the supply closet and then gossip. Yep. So while all that's going on, uh, there's a weird scene with Chancellor Arnold in his office. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) I think this was an attempt to okay let me think about this like logically because all so far we've gotten from this episode is cult cheating cheating right so Mm -hmm. that's essentially the theme of the episode obviously stormy weather we've gotten rain we're getting stormy topics i guess yeah so i guess to make things a little lighter they decide to make chancellor arnold an idiot (laughs) And also kind of comic relief, which wasn't that funny. Right? I wrote that down. I was like, is this trying to be comedic and relatable? Because everything else, like, people don't usually have to deal with cults and, like, a lot of cheating. Yeah. Like, first of all, he has an umbrella open inside, which is superstitious, right? Yeah. Yeah. And... And he's that like, must have been a bad leak. Like, why are you still in there? And it was everywhere. He had buckets everywhere. <laughs> and, like, had tarped all his stuff into one area of the room. Yeah. No, I didn't understand the point of any of this. And, like, it wasn't funny and it didn't resonate with me. And I was, like, honestly debating, like, do I just skip 15 seconds and just, like, assume I didn't miss anything? I know. I kind of had the same thought. And now that I'm thinking about it, the only point to keep him in this office was so that eventually he could tell Brandon where the files were for the previous um, lawsuit against Professor Finley. But 
I feel like we just didn't need all of it. We literally could have just had one scene where, sure, you've got an umbrella on, on open on the end, and the, and good lord, you have an umbrella open indoors. There's a leak because it's raining, and Chancellor tells Brandon where the files are. Like it yeah. could just be one scene. Yeah, like I almost feel like they had the two scenes just to have Brandon go back to him multiple times, but. We also know how much he hates Finley and loves Kelly. So, like, true. We shouldn't really need it. Like, yeah. All Brandon had to do was in this scene show up and say that, like, Finley didn't get tenure, but he's still proselytizing off campus to all of your students and not just all of your students, but Kelly's there. Mm -hmm. And then Chancellor Arnold could be like, well, I can't tell you all of these things, but like, if I had to leave to go dry off, and you happen to open that drawer right there. Like, could have ended there. Exactly. So that's why I feel like this episode had it had its good moments in terms of, like, good storytelling, um, good plot movement, and things like that. But then there are just other things that I'm like, not really needed. Yeah, it just, like, some things went on a hair too long or, like, like this next scene where – Dylan and Kelly go to the New Revolution to talk to Finley. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sorry, all the shit talking they do of Iris, I was like, but Dylan likes her now. Oh, I was so upset because I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're supposed to be this teacher of psychology, but also a person who believes in furthering yourself, growing, introspection, like all this stuff. And you're going to shit on her because she – Likes crystals and mindfulness. But it didn't yeah. make sense if not to. I think he was trying to legitimize what he speaks about on an intellectual level and illegitimize what Iris does because it's all like, I don't know. He might as well have called it hocus pocus. I mean, that's basically what they do, right? Like he's being like, yeah. oh, I'm a man of science and this is mumbo jumbo because she believes in crystals and guided imagery which like what's wrong I I don't understand why they're like oh my god guided imagery yeah like it actually kind of all makes sense in regards to the new evolution like it they kind of go together if you really think about it yeah well and then Dylan says like don't forget numerology and chanting and like I feel like Kelly is basically chanting when she's like negator 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 true good point Ugh, and then Kelly, I just wanted to like smack her when she's like, Iris threw her tarot cards at me when she wouldn't let, when I wouldn't let her read my fortune. It's like, yeah, that's because she didn't like you, Kelly, not because of <laughs> anything to do with tarot. <laughs> and like, also, I just don't believe you. Everything yeah. you've seen of Iris, Iris is not throwing tarot cards at you. She's a pacifist. Like, she's just not doing it. And then she has to go pick up all her tarot cards. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's just not doing it. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. And this is when we hear about the dumb I I wrote it down wrong the first time and never corrected myself, but the maletting, I honestly, like the first time I heard it, I was like, bloodletting? What? Same. <laughs> Same. Like that's all I heard. And I was like, what the heck is that? And you know, then later on, like um, Finley is kind of assessing like once Dylan kind of walks out he has to speak to Kelly on his own and so Finley's like 
basically giving his evaluation on Dylan, telling Kelly that he's skeptical and open to experience, which is the sign of a fine mind, which we already know. Yes, Dylan is an intellectual. Mm -hmm. He is very skeptical, but it sounds like he can be persuaded. And that apparently is just the magic potion to get somebody to sign up for a cult is all of these things. Well, and then, yeah, you add that like extra little kick when Kelly is like, Oh, his dad is Jack McKay, and Finley's like the financier. Like, of course he knows. And then, yeah, those little like dollar signs light up in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this was Jane the Virgin, it they they literally would have paused it and put dollar signs over Finley's eyes. <laughs> yeah, there would have been like noises and emojis going everywhere, and boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, could you... now I really want to see just like one nine hundred two one zero episode. Where there is a voiceover like Jane the Virgin. Oh my god, I would love it. It would be so it. good. So good. I just watched the episode. This is a side note. You can cut it out. But I just watched the episode where um, Jane learns about the Bechdel test. <laughs> I love so much. So then we take it like a brief little go back to the hospital. Yep. Um, Jesse calls Andrea. We find out she got the job. He's made the short list for the judge in Boise, and Jesse just cannot be happy for him because she cannot fathom the idea of having to move to Boise. I I just at a certain point, I think you just have to fake it till you make it because it is not a reality yet. It could be a reality, um, but like she's spending so much time just doom and gloom about. It's already going to happen. We're going to have to move to Boise that I feel like she's already made up her mind. You know, she's not even coming around to the idea. She's not trying to come around to, you know, Boise in the first place. But it also doesn't help that she's obviously cheating on Jesse. And it sucks because, like, Jesse's so excited that she got her research position and, you know, all this. And and you can tell it's, like, taking a toll on him because – as soon as she makes that like sigh or whatever it was that she did when he said that he was on the short list, he immediately fires up, right? Like he immediately gets mad and is like, well, can't even say anything without you being not support or unsupportive or whatever he actually says. And I just hate it. it this is a bad situation. Yeah. And like, let's also talk about how high school Andrea would understand that getting a clerkship for someone who is on the fast track to the Supreme Court is a huge boost to your resume. Like yep. high school Andrea would be like, we have to make that happen for you. And like, I'm going to start working on my transfer stuff so I can get into the best program and work with the best teachers in Idaho. Like there's got to be a University of Idaho in Boise or, you know, something like that. Like Boise I, State. Yes. Like Andrea – High school Andrea would be ready for all of this. And then, like, college Andrea has become very selfish. hmm And, I mean, we talked about it. We hate it. Yeah. And it's clearly because she has, you know, started having this life that she didn't plan for herself. And so she's projecting. But, like, yeah, you're 100% right. She would have already been researching schools and medical programs and hospitals and daycares even for Hannah. Like, all this stuff, but instead she's selfish and unsupportive, um, you know, and then poor sweet Jesse is like, you know, we should invite Peter and his wife over for dinner. 
And I'm like, ugh, no. As we as we had discovered last episode, I don't like his wife. <laughs> but well, I also don't want them to be friends. I mean, yeah, I definitely don't want them to be friends because that just gives Andrea and Peter more opportunities to cheat. Yep. And then he says, I love you, and Andrea doesn't say it back. And this is why I notice these things. I know. I know. I noticed it too. Every single time it happens on TV, I'm like, why? What's wrong? <laughs> and like something is wrong here. I'm like, we're mm-hmm. right. We noticed this for a reason. We're geniuses. I know. Well, and I do wonder sometimes, especially these days, and especially in like healthy relationships when that happens, I'm like, all right, which editor took the wrong shot, you know, <laughs> and forgot the one where they said I love you or, or whatever. But but yeah, with this, like, we know they have problems. We know specifically Andrea is like not as in love with Jesse as she probably once was, or maybe it was all just lust or even just infatuation you know but clearly she's moved on and it 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 just sucks yeah I mean I could definitely buy that there's some like trauma bonding between the two of them of like an unplanned pregnancy and then you know a really fast courthouse wedding and then baby Hannah was sick for so long and they only had the two of them to lean on like I could Mm -hmm. see there being a lot of trauma bonding here and now that Hannah is healthy and they've like moved on from all of that Andre is like oh that was all just in my head. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> and I kind of want to wrap up them just because like there's one or two scenes left. Yeah, I'm um, totally fine with that. Yeah, it's like later on in the hospital, Peter sneaks into the lab that Andrea was in and like scares her. And he wants her to take a break when she just started working. And then like he goes to kiss her and she lets it happen. And she looks she does look conflicted like this is the first time i think they've actually like kissed or maybe it's the second time i'm not sure yeah they kissed in the coffee house but i feel like that's right i feel like this is like on the job andrea and so it's a different andrea exactly and so she looks a little conflicted as he leaves um he also brought her coffee which that was cute Right. This is the one where I'm like, it's cute that he brought her a coffee and kissed her and then was like, you're on the clock. You're on hospital time now. Get back to work. I was like, oh, that's cute. But then, yeah, the last time we see them, they're making out in an elevator. Andrea's like, oh, my God, I'm so hot and flustered. Dr. Laundry's like, take two kisses and call me in the morning. And I puked. Yeah. Never, ever. I don't care what level of doctor you are never say something like that to me (laughs) it was so dumb and then I like sitting there panicking because as a viewer like you know that the dramatic moment is like that elevator door is going to open and someone's going to be there and of course it was Jesse with flowers who flew home early to surprise Andrea because he missed her it's awful like just break them up already. Make it known that she's cheated on him. And God, I remember now I'm getting all my memories back of like what happens between them. <sighs> I mean, mm. we're on the tail end of this season. Like I don't see this lasting too much longer before yeah. it all gets found out. But like when Peter walks away and – Jesse picks up Andrea and like hugs her and he's like, oh my God, you feel so good. I was like, my heart 
broke. That you can say to me anytime you want, whatever profession you have. <laughs> right. Because that's such a a calming and comforting thing to say, not just for the person receiving that, I guess, compliment, but also the person giving it. Like it's such a safety security thing. And that's all I want in this world. I want somebody to feel safe with me and I want to feel safe with somebody. And so to hear Jesse say that, I was just like, oh my God. Like, maybe you actually do love her. Like, right. ugh. Well, and like, it has been scientifically proven that like consensual hugs, but hugs mm-hmm. uh, release like positive hormones into your body. Yeah. Because like in this whole thing that has been happening and like the amount of time that John and I have worked from home and like all of the stress going on in our lives, like. We've just gotten into the habit of when we need it, we just stand up and hold our arms out and the other person just gives you like a really big hug. Yeah. And so like – Super cute. Yeah. When Jesse picked up Audrey and was like, you feel so good. I was like, oh, I know that feeling. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Isn't it though? Man, hugs are the best. I love hugs. Hugs are my favorite. I love hugs. I love hugs. And uh, yeah, I mean that's it for Jesse and Andrea is like he picks her up and is like, oh, you feel so good. And she's like, yeah. You do too. And that's it. Ugh. Okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so we go back to talking to Kelly and Dylan. And we find out that Kelly's never actually had classes with Finley, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, it's like she only got invited to the seminar or whatever because she did so well in her abnormal psych classes. Yeah, it's like I knew someone who knew someone who runs a cult, and therefore oh, I'm God. in a cult. Jeez. Oh, but yeah, and so they're talking about it, and, you know, Dylan's even like, hey, what does your mom think about all this? And she's like, well, you know, she was an est, which, you know, as as we kind of talked about between the two of us, or the three of us offline, like, that was a popular thing in, I think, the late 70s, early 80s, that was very cultish you know I think it was criticized um in some circles as a cult and so Kelly's like so that means at least to the viewer that means that she can't really say much but she says that Jackie thinks it's a phase for Kelly so she's not really taking it all that seriously which does make me wonder like so yeah she said that you know, Jackie was an S, so it reminds her of the 70s. And yeah, like you said, critics called it like mind control and a cult. And I do wonder if Jackie heard that part of it or like she heard it, but she was even still like, well, I only did like the weekend seminar, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Like I was able to get out of it. So obviously Kelly is going to. Right. So then the phone rings and it's Brandon trying to call. <laughs> I really enjoyed this little moment. I don't know like what it was about it, but Dylan picking up the phone and Brandon being like, how's it going? And he's like, I'm not interested. And Brandon being like, oh, Kelly's there. And he's like, I said I didn't want any. And then he's like, mm-hmm. it was just somebody trying to sell me magazines. Yeah. No, I love that. Like anytime, I don't know why, but anytime that happens in a show where you're clearly trying to lead someone off a trail, like, I, yeah, I love that. Right. Because like, that even kind of works today. If he picked up the phone and somebody was trying to talk to you, like obviously you have caller ID. So like he would have just ignored Brandon and been like, oh, it was a spam call. Right. But if he did pick up the phone and it was Brandon, he could just hang up and then just, yeah, be like, 
Oh, someone calling about my car warranty. Exactly. My extended car warranty is going to expire. Got to jump right on it. And this is where we find out that a maletting is a wedding for the millennium. And it's like two people entering into a millennium together. I'm like, what does that even mean? It is 1995. (laughs) It's very Scientology. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I read a book recently and I'm going to skewer these facts, but it's like in Scientology, you like sign a 1,000 year contract Mm -hmm. on your soul. So like this is, this is Scientology, this right here. Yeah. I love that Dylan is like, oh my God, Finley's a minister. And Kelly's like, yeah, he like sent away in the back of a Rolling Stone. Like, I can name five of my friends who have their ministry licenses to marry people. Oh, yeah. It's super common these days. But I wonder, like, yeah, was this a thing? Kind of like infomercials were a big thing in the 90s, you know? It's like, this was just one other thing to do, like shipping and handling, not included. <laughs> right. Same. <laughs> it's like, I was married by one of our friends. Like we bought the license for her. It was $25. And that was just because she wanted like the printout license. Right. I mean, in Arrowverse, Dig marries all, you know, a lot of them. Yeah. So, and Barry and Iris. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause Barry zooms over to him and brings him back without his consent. And that is kidnapping. And then he threw up because Dig can't handle. (laughs) being carried fast and yet barry insists on doing it over and over and over and that's why we don't like barry so okay now since we've already covered peter and andrea the show is going to kind of flip between donna and ray and everything happening with them and then kelly and the cult Mm -hmm. since the next scene is about donna and ray do you want to just like finish that out okay because there's not a hell of a lot that happens in this scene. They're making out in his truck. Donna brings up girls chasing him again. And Ray is just like, that's a crock of shit. I love you so much. Nothing will ever come between us. And then Valerie is like 10 feet away in a car staring at them. Yeah, this dude is a straight up liar. Like nothing or no one will ever come between us. Bruh, literally someone already has. <laughs> I know. And like... <laughs> Honestly, this is where I think Ray is so stupid, is the idea that he thinks he's not going to get caught with this. It's Val. Uh, Exactly. Like, you have chosen the agent of chaos. Like He he could not have picked a worse person. He just picked the first one that was ready. Yeah. She didn't even have to do anything. And he was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, this works. (laughs) Oh, God. And then... The next time we see them, like, he's gone home. He's at his mom's house. His mom is vacuuming with the oldest vacuum I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, and I, I have no idea how old it was in 1995, but it was like, I they don't even make them like that, like that anymore. No, they don't. And I also love that there's still just stuff on the floor that she had to avoid with the vacuum. Oh, oh I loved it. I love when Val comes in and is like, this is a nice place. And Luann is just like, it's a dump. What do you want? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> like, Luann gives shitty advice, but I kind of enjoy her as a character. Like, Well, yeah. She's like a little spitfire. Like, she's going to – yeah, she's, she's not really going to contribute a whole lot, but she's going to give you, like, good commentary. Yeah, that's exactly – like, she finishes vacuuming. She opens the door – And then she's just got, like, a cigarette in her hand, and she's like, what do you want? Why are you here? (laughs) 
I love her. Oh gosh. And yeah, like at first when Val says like, oh, I'm here to bring his sheet music back. I was like, what did she do? Like to the sheet music. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, did she break into his car? Mm hmm. And yeah, Ray is not pleased to see her. Yeah, and she apologizes for being possessive, wants to go back to how they were. And Lou Ann comes into the scene and is just like, she's in a class all by herself. Yeah. And I was like, Lou Ann, this is your fault. You did That's this. That's true. You did not raise him to be smarter about who he cheats with. You know, I half expected her to do that classic, like, Southern, like, slap on the back of the head and be like, boy, what were you thinking? You know, I wasn't talking about her, you know, or something like that. I didn't know I wanted that until right now. <laughs> just just that little smack on the back of the head and be like, what are you, stupid? Exactly. Yeah. Because like, that's the thing is she knows what she's talking about, but clearly he doesn't. And did the, like we've already talked about the exact opposite thing to do. And she knows it. She knows as soon as she's, as soon as Val shows up, who she is, why she's here and yeah, she needed to knock him upside the head. She really did, but she doesn't. And then there's a brief scene that I guess like they were having a big group dinner and they were playing Scrabble and whatever. And Ray shows up, finds out that Valerie was also invited because Donna was like, oh, yeah, I ran into her at like Saks. I felt sorry for her. And then he starts getting mad at Donna And pretends he's mad because he didn't want to have dinner with all these people and not just Donna, rather than, like, knowing his cover is blown on literally, like, day two of cheating on Donna. Right. And, like, he has to know, too, that just yelling at Donna, that's not going to make her suspicions go away, you know? So, but no, he just gets, he comes over and he's already mad because of traffic, but then finds out Val's there and he just gets more mad. And I'm like, I don't love that we pretty much always see rape mad like getting mad a lot I don't like how many times he gets mad at Donna and treats her like shit Mm -hmm. and we're just supposed to be on board with it like I know they're doing something here like this is a whole point to this but like it kind of sucks because yeah the next time we see him he's at the peach pit talking to Donna and she tries to leave she's like yeah, whatever, you can sit here. I'm just going to go to the library. But he apologizes mm-hmm. to her, and she just accepts it. Yeah, she makes one comment about, like, you know, if this is how you're like when you're just getting a taste of fame, what is it going to be like when you get extra famous? And then Ray doesn't even really try to reassure her there. And then they start kissing, and Val, like, interrupts their PDA. And Ray is just, like, throwing eye daggers at Valerie the whole time. Um, And Donna, like, I guess leaves. No, this is when, like, Donna's like, oh, he's just, like, under a lot of pressure. And Val's like, oh, good, because I was starting to take it personally. Right. And, like, Donna, you're smarter than this. Well, yeah, because she even does that whole, like, "Uh, what? And kind of, like, taps her on the shoulder or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then goes about her business. Yeah, and this is... This is when she leaves because Ray has gone over to the pee pad. He's sitting on the stage and Val comes in and is like, we should just have sex right here on this stage. What? Donna's already gone. Not like anybody else is going to walk in. Right, right. Just that Donna's gone, so it's fine. But this is very interesting to me that he was like, 
oh, well, I'll just get, you know, Willie and Nat to throw you out because I'm the house band. So I'm basically like the big shot around here. Yeah, he suddenly has turned into like a VIP. <laughs> Which like would be great if we ever saw him perform at the pee pad. Yeah, it doesn't really land Beverly Hills 90210 because we never see him. <laughs> Honestly, if we had not made that revelation a couple of episodes ago that his stuff was getting cut out every single time, I can't imagine what we'd be saying right now. Just like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Like, compared to what? <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, and like, this is where kind of what I was talking about earlier, like Val does a classic like manipulation thing where she always has to be in control. And because Ray's like threatening to end it, like we mentioned, and Val's just like, hmm, I wonder what Donna would think about this whole thing. And is essentially saying, like, if we don't end it, like, or if we do end it, I'll I'll go tell your girlfriend. And because she doesn't care. She's not here to make friends. She is on America's Next Top Model, and she is not here to make friends. <laughs> and, like, yeah, Ray has no way out of this. No. There is nothing good happening here. Because, like, if he starts acting up, she'll threaten him. If he stops having sex with her, she'll threaten him. Like, yep. He's got no way out other than to tell the truth. Yep. And I feel like that's not happening. Time I'll, will tell. Uh, yeah. Although every single other time, like we mentioned earlier, like Finley admitted the truth. Felice admitted the truth. Everyone just seems to be like, oh, yeah, I did it. <laughs> okay. Bye. What of it? <laughs> Man, these avocado heads think they're invincible. God, they really do. It's because they've never been punished. Jim forgives everything. And so all of them are just like, whatever. Nothing that we do that's bad is ever really that bad. And I think that's it for them, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so now it's time to talk about the cult. Yes. Because now we're at the maletting. And like, truly, this is where it gets really culty like it was already kind of culty mm -hmm. but now they're just like oh yeah people are getting married off into like marriages of I don't even know what you'd call it like I don't want to say elder abuse but like kind of I mean yeah because it's old people getting married to young people and these old people which we they allude it they allude to it here but it's not until like the very end or close to the very end that we actually get this confirmed but it's it's pretty much alluded to the fact that the older person is wealthy and likely going to die soon yeah because like they start essentially passing around a hat like in church taking donations but these donations are for a new learning center in oregon mm -hmm. and finley gives some weird speech about how like Marriage is something your parents did, but it's also something we're going to do. Yeah. we, Yeah. Your parents did this. We are too. But it's different. Like, no. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's not different. Like, you're, it's a still a legally binding contract. And, like, he legitimately did, like, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. Like, <laughs> yeah. They wrote their own vows. Like, it, it was a wedding. It was a standard yeah. traditional wedding. But after the ceremony, Kelly and Dylan are walking outside. We find out they're at the groom's house, not the new revolution, which I did not realize until she said it. Mm -hmm. 
And then she reveals he is selling the house and going to give all of the money to Finley so they have more money for this Oregon Learning Center. Which is wild because that house has to be several million dollars. Huge. And yeah, like with how old he is, like you have no idea how much of a mortgage he has on it, if one at all. Right. And then like, yeah, what's going to happen to him after that? Does he get an apartment? Does he get a smaller house? Does he move into that mansion that they had for the new revolution? Like what's going to happen to this poor man? Mm Hmm. Yeah. Apparently this is just what happened. I mean, this made me think of Nexium so much with the whole organ location with basically like signing your life away, you know, investing all this money. It was just... Yeah, like you just figured out you like because you're giving your money to a greater cause, quote unquote, like who? Yeah, it's it's murky. Yeah, I mean, like literally it's very much like Nexium, where they all packed up and they moved to upstate New York mm-hmm. and Canada just because like that's where Keith told them to go. They yep. all left L.A. because a lot of them were actors to go do this thing. And like it feels so painful because Kelly is just acting like this is normal, which, you know, she's like 1920. She probably doesn't understand this is not normal. Like mm-hmm. marrying someone that much older than you and then selling your house and all of your material possessions to give it to this man. Like, yeah, she just doesn't understand. But then she starts talking to Dylan about how she was worried that people wouldn't like her if she wasn't pretty, but then she didn't want to be too pretty and she didn't want to be too funny or too smart or too perfect because that would also rub people the wrong way and she just never felt good about herself. And yeah, it's kind of a damned if you do and damned if you don't in her mind because she's just like, I never really fit in or at least felt like I could be my authentic self because it would be criticized one way or the other. And she admits, like, that's really honestly why she was so weird and and on the fence about doing the Seventeen magazine cover, because she was, like, so concerned with what people thought of her. And Mm -hmm. I really, really felt bad for her in this moment because I feel like that's probably a very common feeling. Um, But it's hard to vocalize. It's kind of – it's – I mean, number one, it's hard to vocalize because it it is anytime you're talking about insecurities or self-esteem issues or things like that. But in the second way, I mean, on the surface, like Kelly looks like she has it pretty good. And that's she even talks about that. She's like, I don't even know if I have if I have the right to feel this way. Like she says it, she doesn't say it exactly like that. But that's kind of what I pulled from it is like she doesn't even feel like she has permission to feel this way because she does have a good life. Right. Mm-hmm. She has money and she has her mom and she she does have family her dad apparently is not great but like she has family and she has all these great things so shouldn't she be happy yeah it was a very like broken early version of checking your privilege yeah of just like I have all this privilege therefore I can't feel bad but then like people are gonna judge me for having all this privilege if I don't already feel perfect so I have to portray this perfect self which we already know that she hates like Mm -hmm. this episode felt like such a like wholly thought out character profile of kelly between this scene and then the scene with brandon later i was like this is kelly like if you yeah didn't know anything about this character and you just watched this episode you would know everything you ever needed to know about kelly 
Yeah. And it's, it's really unfortunate that we had to get that kind of deep dive into Kelly in such a, you know, horrible situation. But I feel like for the fans of the show who weren't fans of Kelly, it's almost like they need to go back and rewatch this one episode just Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, I get it. You know, because I can understand not liking somebody just, you just don't like them. I get it. But tell me your reasons for not liking a character, especially in this situation, and I will show you this scene and tell you why you might need to rethink that. (laughs) Right. Now, I feel like there's a lot of people that watch this show when they were younger and, like, they love Brandon because he's the protagonist and Mm -hmm. Jason Priestley is a pretty little face. Right. And they hate Kelly for the exact reasons that she's putting out in this scene right here. And then they watch it as adults and they're like, oh, my God, Brandon, like, really sucks. And (laughs) I like Kelly. Yeah, it's like they're, you know, it's so interesting watching a show at different points of your life Mm -hmm. because you then identify for so many different reasons. Um, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but there's a One Tree Hill podcast called Drama Queens out there and and the actors of the show are watching it for the first time. Um, And it is so funny to listen to them react to what their characters are doing but also how they're identifying with like the parents of the show and things like that and and yeah it just it just shows you that we really are as people as we grow up we're also like maturing like in so many different ways whether it's like our brain or our hearts or whatever and so you start to see little layers and that it always rings truest to me when I see kids become parents and start to understand things their parents did like Mm -hmm. when they were kids that they didn't agree with like that to me is probably the purest form of that but yeah I feel like we can I the three of us can identify with Kelly here because it's like oh I see this little girl who just wants to be loved for who she is but doesn't feel like she can present who she is to Mm -hmm. the world yeah no it's like it's heart-wrenching to me watching Kelly in this, especially, like, in in the place I am in my life, like, having, you know, been in therapy and, like, that therapy is much more normalized at this point in time. Like, if I watch this as a teenager, I feel like I would relate to her, but in a very different way mm-hmm. and not in, not in a good way. Like, this would be a very bad thing for me. And now I'm just like, oh, my God, I can see, like, the pain in her because, like, we have normalized, like – prioritizing your mental health Mm -hmm. and being able to allow yourself to like feel something but to then take care of yourself it's something that I don't think Kelly's ever had the permission to do she just thinks she has to bottle this up and pull it inside within herself but then never do anything about it yeah and like I kind of want to like kind of get through a couple more scenes because when Brandon talks to Finley he he brings that up Yeah. Because, like, Kelly says all these things. Uh, Dylan is adorable. And he says, don't you know that nothing can stop you from shining, Kel? Mm -hmm. God. And then she's like, I just want to dance in the rain. I'm telling you, she is just a little girl wanting to be freed. Like, that's it. She's finally happy. And, like, it's a very misguided happiness because someone is manipulating her. And that's not her fault. But this is honestly probably one of the first times in her life she's ever truly been happy. I know, and she actually seems happy. 
Yeah. And so we get this like brief interlude where Dylan goes to the Walsh's that night to talk to Brandon and Brandon's like, it's all a scam. And Dylan is like really conflicted at this point. He says, Finley's not a bad guy, but he's also not a good guy, but he has some interesting philosophy. Right. And that's kind of the point of a cult leader, right? It's like the charismatic leader. Like, Dylan's not wrong, but that's the point, right? Like, he's supposed to be making you feel this way. Yeah. Like, you may start off being like, oh, this is kind of weird, but he's got good points. And then, like, it pulls you in. Like, the whole point is slowly getting you in versus, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just a deep dive into selling your house. Right. Exactly. And Brandon kind of picks up on some context clues, asks Dylan if anything happened. Dylan's honest and says they kissed, which I when Brandon was like, did you sleep with her? And Dylan was like, no, but we kissed. I was like, that's not necessarily better. Like, It's not. No, but Brandon handles it so well. They both do. They do yeah. this the right way. They acknowledge like. Dylan's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth here because I have nothing to lose from lying here and nothing to gain from lying here. And so kudos to Dylan for being honest. And and at first, Brandon, you can tell it was very much a, I'm going to do another Jane the Virgin reference, like Raphael Michael, like scene. Oh my God. Brandon and Dylan are Raphael and Michael. Oh my God. They are. I'm <sighs> having an epiphany. They so are. Oh my God. Because they hate each other, but are somehow friends. I know Michael and Raphael aren't friends, but- but they're like they're willing to like kind of co-parent together, right? Oh for the sake of, oh my god. Anyway, but it, you know he gets jealous at first, but then realizes, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a greater task at hand. I know Dylan, you didn't kiss her because like you're still in love with her, even if you are still in love with her. You know it was, it was clearly you wouldn't be telling me this if it was bigger than it is. Um, yeah, and then Brandon handles it well. Yeah. I like I'm so amazed at Brandon in this whole arc. Like I'm very curious, is this growth for Brandon? Are we not going to see Brandon brandoning again? Oh, I wouldn't hold your breath on it, but <laughs> I mean, truly, let's be honest here. I I know, but it, it is nice to see. Like I I would be more happy to see a slip up every now and then than to just like completely go away from it all so the next day brandon goes back to chancellor arnold to talk about finley again and this is kind of like what we were saying of like we we get that he's showing this to see how dedicated he is to saving kelly but like this all still could have been one scene Mm -hmm. but what i really like is when brandon's like oh well you remember this all started at thanksgiving when she was in that fire And then her recovery was really painful and slow, and that's how she met Finley. But really, this all started so much further back, and Brandon brings up her father, her caretaker role with her mother, the bad reputation she had to live down in high school, and, like, the idea that Kelly is so hard on herself that it's painful to be around her. I understand what they were trying to say. I didn't like that Brandon said it. The last part really got me. Yeah. And like, th- yeah, the way he said it, because like, I I understand like it hurting to be around someone who's in pain. Mm-hmm. 
But that's not exactly what he said. Yeah, it's like the point he's trying to make is it hurts me to see her hurting. Yeah. Not it hurts me to be around her. Like it it just. She's in pain and that sucks for me because I have to deal with it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's how it came across. But I know what they were trying to say. Yeah. And so that's the thing where, like, if you put that and the scene with Kelly together, you have this amazing character bio of Kelly. Mm -hmm. But it's all what, you know, Chancellor Arnold needs to be like, oh, if I was to, like, say the names of the people involved in this lawsuit and then leave, you could find out what happened. Yeah. It was very – a long little, like, monologue there to just say – I'm going to go, but my case files aren't in the second drawer from the left. Like, you you know. Yeah. It was a lot, and I get what they were doing, but, like, whatever. Fine. Moving on. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, you know, pulls out these case files. He finds these names. He finds phone numbers. And he starts trying to call the people from the lawsuit, and they will not talk to him. Mm-hmm. I do. I'm learning. I actually really love the, like, back and forths between Brandon and Claire. Yeah. Because this is when they're at the beach apartment and she's like, oh, it's your turn. He's like, oh, I can't go. I have to go down to Orange County. And she's like, Pacific Coast Highway is flooded. He goes, worst coast to worst, I'll swim. She goes, okay, drive safe. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Bye. (laughs) I don't care. Bye. (laughs) Truly. Didn't give a shit. She's like, okay, fine. I know. Um, And then we get an interesting plot development here. When Dylan goes on his own to go see Finley, and he kind of starts talking the talk, right? He's he's speaking in Finley speak, um, but he's also talking about his money and how he, you know, at this point, I guess, knows that Finley obviously is really in, in it for the money, but also that he probably at this point knows that Jack McKay is his dad. And so he starts basically blackmailing him a little bit by saying... Like, what are your plans for specifically Kelly? And this is where I got grossed out because it seemed like Finley was all about, like, I haven't gotten to a place with her physically yet, but I want to. And I'm like, ew, no. I know. I was like, sir. The yet was just fucking disgusting. The yet. Uh Uh-huh. It It was like, ugh. Yeah, my entire body just, like, shrunk a couple. I was like, stop it. And obviously, Dylan doesn't want that. So he's like, hold on. What if I'm physically intimate with her? Or whatever he ends up saying. He's like, convince Kelly to be with me and I'll finance your organ location or whatever. He says he'll donate every dime he's got if Finley gives him Kelly. And... Like, literally, Finley does. He goes to see Kelly later on. He says, like, Dylan could be a pathfinder and that he thinks the two of them are soulmates. And again, he's super fucking gross. And he's like, you need to give him what he hungers for. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. Love him in every way. And this was very much to me like, okay, I can easily see where this cult goes from, um you know, philosophical teachings to sex trafficking. Like, I don't know, Nexium. Right? It's legit. It's <laughs> word for word, Nexium. We're like, first you're going to seminars to improve your acting, and then 
next you're getting Keith Raniere's initials like branded into your skin mm-hmm. Well, your master starves you until you're skinny enough for Keith or Neri to want to have sex with you. God. If anyone has not heard the Nexium podcast and watched the HBO doc, I'm so sorry for all these spoilers, but like it's wild. It's worth watching if only to understand like how in depth and how easily people can get roped into these things. Well, and like, did you listen to the podcast? No, I just watched the uh, HBO and was it Hulu? Uh, Stars? Stars, that's what it was. Yeah, I watched both of those documentaries. Mm. Yeah, so I heard the podcast first and it was the guy from CBC was like, oh yeah, I went to a park one day and I ran into my friend from high school and was like, oh, have you been? And she was like, I was in a cult. And he was like, so now we're talking. <laughs> It was what like he just like ran into her or like came across her on like Facebook or something. And she was like, I was in a cult. You want to hear about it? Like, yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Right. I was like, "Uh, I work for the CBC. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, then, you know, we get a little scene of Brandon making it through the rainstorm Mm -hmm. to Greg's house, Greg Jarrett. And who used to be a TA for uh, Professor Finley, knocks on the door. Boomy makes the tiniest of all appearances just right there as he opens the door. Um, And then essentially, like, once uh, Greg realizes what Brandon's there for, he slams the door in his face. Um, Luckily, Brandon doesn't give up and just keeps starting, like, to... He says more and more about the situation. He talks about how Kelly, his girlfriend, is embedded in this and, um, you know, needs to get out. And then... Greg finally speaks and all he says was, is she pretty? Which like, oh my God. The idea that he's been listening on the other side of the door where Brandon's like, this is dangerous. I'm so scared for her. And then Greg is finally just like, oh, she's in danger. She's pretty. Yeah. And I can totally understand his trepidation with Brandon in the beginning because he's like, I don't need to unearth this. Like this was buried a while ago, but once you know, good on him. Once he realized like other people's lives are at stake here, um, you know, he kind of does the the really good thing to say, I'm not going to let this happen to somebody else. Yeah. And he like in off Screensville talks to Brandon, agrees to go talk to Kelly. So then Kelly shows up at Dylan's house. They have a whole little thing about like how they both evolved. He's made her hot chocolate. He used to make fun of her for it being a kitty drink, but they've both grown up, whatever. It's a little weird that Dylan made fun of her for liking a kitty drink. Like, I'm sorry, hot chocolate is delicious, and I don't know anyone that disagrees. True. But this is when Dylan's like, look, I know the only reason you're here is because I offered Finley money for you, and he took me up on it. And that's when Brandon and Greg come out. Kelly's like, I refuse to be ambushed. And they're like, no, no, it's just going to be you and Greg. Yep. And Greg shows her a picture of his maletting, ew, where he married a tobacco heiress who then donated all of her money to the cause. Mm-hmm. And apparently Greg used to be like a charter member of yeah. New Revolution. Yeah. And so we end up not actually hearing Greg and Kelly talk. We go outside where, you know, Dylan basically says like, I understand 
how this cult exists. People need assurances. They want to know that they're part of something bigger. Mm -hmm. Brandon totally misses the point by being like, I did my time in a traditional Native American sweat lodge. Like, bruh, not the same thing. Not even remotely close. But Kelly comes out, asks someone to take her home. Brandon says he will. She apologizes to Dylan. And then, like, trigger warning for, like, if you want to just, like, jump ahead 15 or 20 seconds if you're not comfortable with toxic suicide. Apparently, Greg tried to kill himself. And that's how he got out of the cult. Yeah, because he has, like, pretty deep visible scars on both of his wrists. Um, And that kind of, I guess, is the catalyst for or whatever else he you know had spoken with kelly about to get her to realize um i can't be a part of this anymore Mm -hmm. yeah and we jump ahead to the next day where kelly has gone to finley she calls him a con artist and a pimp he does not deny it because apparently Mm -hmm. everyone on this show just acknowledges what they've done um and Kelly makes the comment, she says, I thought you were talking about his soul, not his checkbook. Finley says, enlightenment doesn't come cheap. And Kelly says, neither do I. And then we just watch her walk out of the house. I will say this is one of two times that we've heard one of the female characters of the show stand up for their worth. Um. Now, granted, for two entirely different reasons, but Valerie did this already, too, when Dylan essentially accuses her of being a hooker. And yeah. she's like, um, no, you wouldn't be able to afford me, honey. Like, <laughs> well, and the idea that, like, Val's was supposed to be some dark thing, like, how dare she ask for payment for the work that she did? And Kelly's is just like, oh, my God, liberating. I'm every woman walking out the door while people are trying to stop her. Yeah. No, it's it's very interesting. I'm glad Kelly's out. She walks outside. Dylan says he's going to walk home. And even Kelly and Brandon are like, you are leaving, right? Yeah, because it gets a little dicey with does Dylan go back into and talk into the place and talk to Finley? Like, I, we don't think he does, but we don't actually see him finish his walk. Yeah, because this is the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I will say there was one moment um, where I think Brandon handles the situation pretty well again. <laughs> and it was back when they were all at Dylan's house when um, when Greg is there to talk to Kelly. And while Dylan and Kelly are still talking before they come out, um, Dylan asks, like, why are you so basically okay with being with me, but not with Brandon? And Kelly says that she has strong feelings for Brandon, but that Brandon wasn't on the right path. And I actually like, I mean, we won't see it until next week, probably if we see anything at all. But the fact that he didn't fixate on that and was just fixating on helping her also shows signs of Brandon growing. And I appreciated that because I had to hurt for him to hear that and, and literally go be in Dylan's arms and kiss him and or at least try to kiss him and talk about how she wanted to be with him and stuff like that had to have killed Brandon, especially knowing their dynamic. 
Oh, so I just, I kind of appreciated that. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like the way this is played out, we are going to have more fallout in the next couple episodes. Like, I don't think Kelly and Brandon are going to stay together like straight through the rest of the series. I think, you know, we have too many seasons left for them to be together. It's going to be break up, get back together, break up, get back together, mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah, I think this is going to cause something in their relationship. Yeah. If it didn't, I would be concerned. It, same. Like, I I feel like that's just too much emotional growth for Brandon to just be okay <laughs> yeah. with that. Like, Very and true. I, I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like, I just don't think you can go from what we've known Brandon as for the last five seasons to okay with your girlfriend breaking up with you for a cult and then making out with her ex-boyfriend. I also think, yeah, like outside of just getting angry about stuff and and going through that, it's probably going to dig up some insecurities that either he didn't have before or he didn't know were as big of insecurities, right? So it may even be that Brandon has still grown in some areas, but still has, has some doubts and some things that he's not like in a good place with that come from this. And I guess if we think about it, Kelly did break up with him. We're making the assumption they just get right back together. Like, yeah, she could actually be like, no, I shouldn't date anybody right now. True. That's very true. It's going to be very interesting next episode. I know. So there's a lot of quotes this week. I don't know if I have one, right? Yeah. I had to think a lot about what my favorite one is because there weren't really a whole lot to choose from that were not cult speak. Mm -hmm. But I do have one. Okay. I don't think this is it, but my guess is going to be at the beginning where Kelly says, the sooner you both realize that meaningful change comes from personal sacrifice, the better role will be. And Claire responds with, could you repeat that, Kel? It was so profound. I want to commit it to memory. It was a good one. It was. But that was not it. I didn't think so. But it was a good one. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, I appreciated the snark. I, like, literally have nothing, which is saying something, because <laughs> I wrote down so much of this episode word for word. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Probably Val just being like, okay, see you tomorrow to Ray <laughs> after she, like, shows up at his house. Oh, Yeah. I forgot about that. That's also a good one. <laughs> okay, bye. See you tomorrow. Like, nothing has happened. <laughs> um, that is not it. What my quote of the week is, is when Kelly and Dylan were talking, and Dylan says, don't you know that nothing could ever stop you from shining, Kel? Because we we know that Dylan and Kelly have a toxic relationship and should not be together, but you cannot deny that there's actual, like, real caring there especially dylan knows all the shit that kelly's gone through he's been around the longest so he knows every bit of what she's gone through and so i just appreciate that even when she's at her lowest or explaining her trauma he is there to reassure her that no matter what happens to her no matter what she goes through she is still beautiful and she is still wonderful just as she is and i just love that and anytime luke perry says something like that you can't help but swoon I know your heart just like ugh, it just gets warm. <laughs> yes, it, my heart glows. 
Mary, what about you? Um, Kelly deciding to leave was definitely my moment of the week just because, like, when she was like, can one of you take me home? Like, obviously Dylan can't. He can't drive right now. So. Oh, I forgot. You can't. <laughs> I forgot that too. <laughs> but, um. But yeah, like I thought it was kind of interesting that they took her back to the cult when she asked to go home, but then she confronts Finley or whatever, and then she's just like, yeah, okay, bye. I did wonder that when she said kids would take me home, I was like, cult home or beach apartment home? Mm. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for them to just go to the beach apartment and be friends together, but whatever. Right, just ghost Finley. Mm-hmm. But that's the all he deserves. Yeah, the confrontation I mean, yeah. was fun. Yeah, yeah. I just want Kelly and Brandon to wrap up in the comforter. Oh my god, it's just like I brought bagels. Can, <laughs> yeah. Can we just have a burrito that's a Dylan Kelly Brandon burrito? Okay, they're, I'd it, be cool with that too. They're in a fort. Oh, they're pillows. in a blanket. They're, they're in a pillow fort wrapped up in the blanket with hot chocolate, and Kelly's in the middle, and the boys are just wrapped around her, like protecting her. Yeah. Oh, I would love that if only the boys could get out of their own way. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. I feel like maybe they just need to bang about it. <laughs> and then we can have our little polycule with Dylan and Brenda and Kelly. Oh, yes. Yes, I love yes. it. I love it. Oh, well, I guess that leads into my next question: is what's next week? All right, we have season five, episode twenty-two, and it's called "Alone at the Top." Alone at the top. I mean, Ray. Oh. That's a good guess because I was going to be like, I bet Brandon has a more president of the school drama. (laughs) (laughs) Also the top. True. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. Well, I guess you will have to find out next week. So until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Shoot us over an email if you want to. Um, Leave anything you want, your thoughts, your comments, your questions, or your concerns. Um, Anything you want. Just hit us up on the email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, like, subscribe, share with your friends and family. All those different things really help us get seen. We really appreciate them. If you give us a five-star review, we'll shout you out on the podcast. And it's just like a cool thing to do. So like you should do that. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I think I want some Eggs Benedict waffles and fresh fruit. I am probably that repair person who's coming to fix the vending machine in the hospital. I cut band rehearsal early to have dinner with you, not a cast of thousands. Bye. Bye. (laughs) See ya.